5, <clears throat> Mark chapter 5. And I apologize in advance for my raspy voice this morning and uh, woke up on Thursday and it was, uh, uh, I couldn't talk much and then Friday I uh, tried to doctor it up a little bit and tried to take some throat lozenges and cough drops and you name it, <clears throat> but uh, a little bit of allergies kicking in and so I uh, ask your indulgence this morning. Mark chapter 5, the book of Mark chapter 5. Stand with me please, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. Again, to our guests, we're so glad that you're here and it's always wonderful to entertain uh, visitors with us. I know we've got some folks who were here last Sunday for Easter who are back with us today and and we're certainly thrilled that you're with us uh, this morning as well. And a great uh, crowd of folks in the balcony. And, and uh, praise the Lord for His goodness to our church family. And uh, let me just encourage you, just invite everyone you can to be with you next Sunday. And uh, if you have to choose to come to church today or next Sunday, come next Sunday, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but since you're here, don't go anywhere, all right? Uh, Mark chapter 5 and... Uh, Read with me in verse number 11. You follow along in your Bibles. I read out loud. Now there, was, now there were nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in, in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. Verse 15, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and, he had, uh, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to, uh, to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Notice verse 19 is our text verse this morning. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Notice what he said in verse 19. Jesus answered to this former maniac of Gadara who asked him to, if he could spend some time with Jesus. And Jesus answered him was simply this. No, he said, go home to thy friends. And that's the title of the message this morning. Go home to thy friends. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments as we try to convey a very important truth from the Word of God. <clears throat> I pray that you'd help me and and uh, my voice as I speak, I pray that it, uh, the raspy tone of voice would not be a distraction uh, to keep the truth from being conveyed. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would do a work of grace uh, in the hearts of our people. And may everyone listen. May there be no distractions. May folks uh, uh, just settle in. May there, may there not be a lot of uh, coming and going. Uh, may the teenagers be attentive. Uh, may folks uh, silence their cell phones and put them away and not be distracted by anything that would hinder uh, the truth of the Word of God being conveyed and received and, yes, applied to our hearts 
We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. There are many stories in the New Testament about people whose lives were completely changed after they met Jesus. I think about the woman at the well who Jesus met her. The Bible refers to her as the woman at Sychar in John chapter 4. And Jesus met with her, and here's a woman who uh, had uh, a reputation, not a very good reputation, I might add, in the community where she lived. And yet when she met Jesus, her life was totally transformed. She was never the same after that. Uh, she probably became one of the great soul winners of the New Testament. And it all happened after she met the Savior. I think about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And when he met Jesus, uh, or before he met Jesus, he was, uh, uh, he was a crippled man. He had been uh, uh, laying there by the pool of Bethesda for many, many years. And of course, Jesus came to him and said, uh, how come you're still crippled? Why is it that you've not been uh, put in the water uh, when the waters were troubled and, and, and healed of your, of your uh, infirmity? And he said to Jesus, I have no man to help me get to the water. And uh, what he needed that day was not the troubled waters of a pool. What he needed was an encounter with Jesus. And of course, Jesus healed him on that day. I think about the lepers that had been healed. I think about those 10 lepers who uh, who cried out to Jesus and Jesus met them uh, where they were at that leper colony and and, uh, and the Bible says that Jesus healed all ten of them and and uh, and of course they were excited and so exuberant about the fact that they had been healed and only one of them came back to praise the Lord only one of them came back to say thank you only one of them came back to say Jesus thank you for healing me and Jesus gave that famous question where are the nine where's everybody else who's supposed to be thankful and uh, but those lepers lives were changed by an encounter with Jesus I think about blind Bartimaeus and how that uh, he had been blind his entire life and yet Jesus healed him and gave him sight folks by the hundreds whose lives were transformed by the touch of the Savior folks in this room this morning have had their lives transformed when they met the Savior. And by the way, uh, Jesus is the only one who can transform a life. The world may offer methods of reformation, but only Jesus can give complete transformation. The world can try to clean up uh, your act from the outside in, and, and, uh, and, and I thank God for every uh, 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 drunkard who is able to get victory over alcohol. Thank God for everyone uh, who is able to improve their, uh, their life, so to speak, from addictions and so forth. But let me tell you something. Real change, real transformation comes from the inside out, not the outside in. And Jesus saves us uh, on the inside and then uh, we yield our, as we yield ourselves to him, he changes us on the outside. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the most transformative figure in the history of mankind. Once you truly have a personal meeting with him, your life will never, ever be the same problem with a lot of folks these days is <clears throat> they've never met Jesus. They've never met Christ. And once you meet Christ, once you uh, uh, invite him into your life, once you receive him as your savior, uh, then there's that all things become new. 
No story in the Bible illustrates this truth quite like the one that we just read about a little bit ago. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is about this man who is possessed with thousands of devils or demons, if you will. When we first see him earlier in Mark chapter 5, he's dwelling among the tombs. He lives in a graveyard. Now, that by itself is reason enough for me to want to stay away from him. Okay. I don't know how many of you like to frequent graveyards, especially at night, but I'm not one of those people, okay? Uh, the Bible says he made his dwelling among the tombs. Folks had tried to control him with fetters and chains, but to no avail. He was a wild man. And uh, wild not because... Uh, of his demeanor or his disposition but he was possessed of devils the bible says and you read in the story where jesus when he before he cast these unclean spirits out of him he said what is your name and he said uh, my name is legion for we are many so many demons or devils <coughs> excuse me possessed this man that we know as the maniac if you will Verse number four states, neither could any man tame him. Verse five says that he cut himself with stones. To put it simply, this was a bad dude, okay? He was, uh, he was not the kind of guy that uh, you wanted to encounter in a dark alley somewhere or any alley somewhere. I, I, uh, as I was reading this passage, I was thinking about Dr. Tom Williams tells a story. He was... Uh, uh, preaching at a, at a church in a distant state. I believe, I believe he said he was in Montana, which is where he was living at the time, but he was far enough away from his home to where he needed to stay in a hotel room during the meeting. And he was praying next to his bed there at the hotel room. And he said, Lord, I really want to witness to somebody today. I want to give the gospel to someone today. Would you send somebody across my path so that I can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with them? And about that time, a Harley Davidson pulled up right outside of his door. And the Holy Spirit, he said, I didn't hear an audible voice or anything like that. He said, but it was as if the Lord said, okay, wish granted, prayer answered, someone is waiting right outside of your door and they need the gospel. And so Dr. Williams got up off his knees and he drew back the curtains a little bit and he said, it was the biggest, baddest, ugliest biker dude you have ever seen in your life. He said, uh, he, said he was about six foot seven and uh, he said he was, he was huge and he had on, I mean, you just, you just the, I mean, you get the mental image of what he saw when he drew back the curtains. He said he, said he looked like he ate nails for breakfast and, uh, and uh, <clears throat> little kids for lunch. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, said, uh, he said he was just a bad dude. And he said he pulled the curtains back and he said, Lord, I was, that's not what I had in mind. <laughs> he said, Lord, I was thinking along the lines of some little grandma somewhere. <clears throat> and... Uh, and he said it was as if the Holy Spirit said, now, did you mean that prayer or didn't you? So, well, yeah, that's, that's what I asked for. So he reluctantly opened the door and he went out there and he uh, started uh, talking to that, uh, uh, that biker. 
And he said, uh, uh, come to find out, the biker began to weep and to cry. And he said, I don't even know why I came here today. He said, uh, he said I've got a room at a hotel down the road, but God told me to pull into, uh, something told me to pull into this, to this spot right here. And, and uh, he just talked about, told Brother Williams about how uh, his, uh, he had a death in the family. And Brother Williams shared the gospel with him, and he got saved that day. It's a great story. But you know, that's what happens when, when Jesus shows up. Notice with me in verse 6, in uh, Mark chapter 5, in verse number 6, the Bible says this, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. Those demons were no match for the Savior. Those demons, those evil spirits, unclean spirits, however, however you want to call them, they were no match for Jesus. Jesus cast them out of the man, and they entered into a herd of swine, a bunch of pigs, if you will. By the way, animal rights activists would have had a heyday with that one. That was very politically incorrect. <clears throat> By the way, Jesus did a lot of politically incorrect things during his ministry. The Bible's a very politically incorrect book. But let me just say, you're better off sticking with the old Bible than you are with political activism. Amen. Or political correctness, I should say. Jesus cast these demons or these devils or these unclean spirits out of the man, and they entered into a herd of swine. And so now we see this man who had been demon-possessed, a literal wreck, naked, cutting himself, crazy, living among the tombs, and now look at verse 15, Mark chapter 5 and verse number 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You see the transformation there? The same guy who made his living among the tombs, the same guy who could not be bound with fetters or chains, the same guy who was uh, a wild man, crazy, now he's sitting, he's clothed, you can carry on a conversation with him, he's coherent, he's, dare we say, normal. <laughs> Notice the transformation there. Now look at verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Let me, let me back up just a moment. After Jesus cast these demons out of him, the Bible tells us that this man wanted to be with Jesus. Now, this is interesting to me. Jesus handpicked 12 men to follow him. There were many other people who followed Jesus, especially during that first year of his ministry when he was very popular. People traveled with him or followed him everywhere he went, many places that he went. But here's a man who, after he got saved, after he was cleansed of the unclean spirits that were within him, he said, Jesus, let me go with you. Let me spend time with you. Let me hang out with you, Jesus. Let me follow you wherever you go. Notice in verse number 19, it says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He said, Sorry, you can't do that. I don't think you should do that. But saith unto him, and here's the message, Go home to thy friends. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Go home to thy friends. He didn't say, go and be interviewed by the local TV news. He didn't say that. He didn't say, go to the local newspaper and get written up 
and let them broadcast what's going on in your life. He didn't say, go post your story on Facebook. <laughs> That's more 2019, isn't it? Go, he didn't say, uh, make sure you post something complete with a before and after selfie of you as the maniac and then you clothed and in your right mind. <laughs> he didn't say do that. What he said was simple. He said, go home to thy friends and tell them what happened to you. One of the greatest needs of our day is for God's people to have a testimony at home. For God's people to have a testimony at home. You know, the saying goes, charity begins at home. You know, that's a good starting point for Christianity too. Christianity should start at home. You're only as good a Christian as you are with the people that live inside the four walls of your house. We talk a lot about desiring to see revival in our nations and in our churches, and, and well, we ought to. Thank God for those who faithfully pray for our nation, and we ought to pray for our country. You understand something? Our country, our nation, is only as strong as our churches, and our churches are only as strong as the families within our churches. Jesus said to this maniac, this former maniac of Gadara, he says, go home to thy friends. I want to make several observations from this story this morning. First of all, when you're at home, you ought to be among friends. When you're at home, you ought to be among friends. Notice what Jesus said, go home to thy friends. In many cases, I'm afraid that the marital and biological relationships that we have at home are missing one important ingredient. That is simply this, friendship. Friendship. Friendship is the glue that bonds our relationships. Hey, yeah, uh, men, you and your wife ought to be close friends. You and your spouse ought to be good friends. Uh, as, as your children get older, there ought to be the nurturing of a friendship in that relationship. I'm not talking about, uh, I understand that in 2019, there's uh, there's situations where sometimes parents want to be their kid's buddy instead of a parent. I'm not talking about that. Yes, there has to be that authority. There has to be that willingness to say, this is the way it is, and and, uh, and that that, uh, that respect from children to parents. But as children get older and, and, uh, and become adults, there ought to be a nurturing of a friendship there as well. Jesus said, go home to thy friends. One of the saddest verses in Scripture, I believe, is found in Micah chapter 7 and verse number 6. You need not turn to it. I'll read it for you. One of the saddest verses in Scripture, Micah chapter 7 and verse number 6, the Bible says, For the son dishonoreth his father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and the man's enemies are the men of his own house. That's a sad commentary on any home. What a sad statement on society when the description of families is they're at war with each other. There's internal bickering and fussing and feuding and fighting. Jesus said to this maniac of Gadara, he said, look, I want you to go home to your friends. I want you to tell them, I want you to start by telling your mom and your dad and your siblings, your brothers, your sisters, everybody who lives in your home, I want you to tell them and show them what I've done for you today. A testimony at home. Number two, we ought to have a testimony at home. 
I said, first of all, the people at your home should be, uh, you're, when you're at home, you should be among friends. Number two, we ought to have that testimony at home. Can you imagine what it must have been like when this old boy walked up to the front porch of his house for the first time after this encounter with Jesus? Can you imagine? They had no idea what had happened. This man, who uh, uh, he, had, he was the notorious crazy guy in the community. He lived among the tombs. He cut himself. He couldn't be bound with fetters or chains. He was a wild man. He was crazy. And I'm sure his family had tried to distance themselves from him. That's what would happen, generally speaking, in society. They don't want to be associated with this guy. I'm sure there was a time when he was just your normal kid, but whatever happened in his life, the series of events that led to him becoming who he was, uh, I'm sure his family uh, tried to distance themselves maybe just a little bit from his reputation and so forth. But on this day, uh, as I'm sure it was just like any other day for them, but uh, uh, Mama peeked out the window and she saw this, this uh, young man walking very uh, mannerly and very erect and upright. And uh, he, was, uh, he, he was dressed uh, neatly and nicely. And he came and she said, could it be? Who is that? It, it looks like, no, 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 that, that, that can't be. The last time I saw him, he was, he was crazy. He was cutting himself. He was running around with no clothes on, and he was, he was, he was wild. But, but wait a minute, that's, that's my son. That's my son. And she goes, and she calls her husband. She said, honey, come quick. You're not going to believe this. This is unbelievable. Can you imagine the reunion that day? Those people that we live with should be the first to witness our transformed life. Hey, if you're saved, the people that you're closest to ought to know that you're saved. If you belong to Jesus, <clears throat> hey, yes, you're, you ought to be willing to say it with your mouth, but you also ought to be willing to live it with your life. If you know the Lord, if, you've, if, you, if your life has been transformed by the saving grace of Jesus Christ, hey, that's wonderful, that's tremendous, but go home to thy friends and let them see it. Let them see it. It ought to be a go-and-tell testimony, but not only that, it ought to be a go-and-show testimony. We ought to be willing to tell people that Jesus has transformed us. We ought to tell people about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, but a step further than that is they ought to see it. They ought to see it. I said, number one, when you're at home, you should be among friends. Number two, we ought to have a good testimony at home. And then number three, I want you to see this. We ought to speak of God's goodness at home. We ought to speak of God's goodness at home. Look back with me, if you will. Mark chapter 5. Let me get back over there. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home. To thy friends, notice what it says, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. We ought to speak of God's goodness at home. Tell them how good things God hath done for you. One of my favorite times of the week is in Sunday school when people start praising the Lord for what he's done for in the previous week. One of my favorite times. I love to hear people talk about how good God has been. You know, we've got plenty to be thankful for this morning. 
Oh, I know there's things that happen and, and there's burdens that we carry and there's, there's uh, uh, heartaches that we have and there's disappointments in life. And, and uh, I, I know I could uh, talk about things that happened just this week of people in our church who've had some setbacks and some disappointments and some heartaches and some things that have happened in your life that if you could change things, you would, that they'd be different. But let me tell you something, God's been good. God's been good. You say, how do you know that? You're here. You're here. And here's a young man. I don't know how old he was, but the Bible doesn't tell us. But now he's, things are different. And he said, Jesus said, go home and, and tell your family. Tell them that you met me. Tell them that, that, that God's been good to you. Tell them that God has changed your life. Boy, we ought to be quick to talk about God's goodness. Talk about God's goodness to your children, mom and dad. Something good happens, make sure God gets the credit for it in your house. You know, sometimes we kind of leave God out of those things, don't we? Sometimes we're guilty of, oh, we'll, we'll be quick to pray for the needs that we have. Let's make sure that we're also quick and ready to give God the credit and the glory when he does answer those prayers. Many times we fail to do that. He said, tell them. He said, make sure you speak of how good God has been in your life. And then I want you to see the next thing. Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. Again, verse 19, Mark chapter 5. <clears throat> Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. You see, what Jesus did for this guy was made possible by the fact that he had compassion on him. Compassion on him. He didn't see him for what he was. He saw him for what he could be. You know what you call that? Compassion. Compassion. I'm glad. Let me just testify for a minute. I'm glad that God doesn't see me for who I am. He sees me for who I could be. I'm glad that when God saved me, he wasn't looking at Kevin Dale, the, the condemned sinner. He redeemed me, and he saw me as his child. It's compassion. The Bible says in Jude 22, that if some have compassion, making a difference. When Jesus saw that old boy walking around the graveyard, cutting himself and demon-possessed and, and crazy and wild acting and so forth, his response wasn't condemnation. His response was compassion. And that's how we ought to see others. Compassion. May I say, but for the grace of God, the description of the maniac of Gadara, that could be you and me. That could be me and you. Hey, uh, uh, whoever it is that you saw this week and, and, uh, and maybe their life was wrecked and ruined and, and, uh, and maybe they're away from the Lord or, or, or maybe they, uh, you know, whatever the depths of sin have taken them to, be careful how you look down on people like that because that could be, but for the grace of God, that's me. That's me. Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. You know, we ought to be compassionate toward those that live within the four walls of our house. You know, we, we, have, we who have been the first-hand recipients of the grace and mercy of God ought to go home and be gracious and merciful with those we love the most. That's what Jesus said to this guy. Go home, tell them what great things God has done for you, 
and also demonstrate some compassion like, like I've demonstrated to you. You know, our, our spouse, our children, those that we live with, they ought to be the first-hand recipients of our own compassion. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm talking about compassion. Compassion is when we stand firm on the truth of God's word, but we speak the truth in love, and we demonstrate compassion as has been demonstrated to us. That's what he's talking about. Everybody in this room, you, you are a firsthand recipient of the compassion of Almighty God. Because but for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell today. We'd all be in hell. God says, okay, I want you to turn around and I want you to demonstrate that same compassion to those that you live with first and foremost. And then I want you to see the last thing this morning. Everyone in the home should have salvation in common. Why did Jesus send this guy home? Why, did, why didn't Jesus say, yeah, you come on, follow me? I mean, I got Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Bartholomew, and, and Thomas, and all the, the, yeah, come on, you want to follow me? Jesus said, no, nope, I don't think you ought to follow me. First thing I want you to do is go home and let everybody at your house know that you're different. Why? Because they needed the same salvation that he had. Hey, they needed Jesus just like the maniac of Gadara needed Jesus. Hey, the people that live inside the four walls of your house, they need to be saved worse than they need anything else. How about it this morning? Are you saved? You say, well, <clears throat> preacher, I'm, I'm saved. Okay, what about your spouse? What about your children? Hey, is all the family in? I heard my grandpa sing a song many years ago. He was, uh, my grandfather, he was very musically inclined. He played the organ at his church for many years. <clears throat> and he had an organ there in his living room. And uh, he'd get up on that organ and he'd, he'd thumb through the hymn book. And he had uh, some other uh, three ring notebooks there of just choruses and songs that he liked to play. And one of the favorite songs that he would play uh, when I was just a child, I'm talking, I was five, six, seven years old. And we'd go there for Christmas or whatever. And he'd sit there at the organ and he'd play the song, Will the circle be unbroken? Will the circle be unbroken? And if you're not familiar with the song, I'm not going to sing it for you for obvious reasons this morning. But the song speaks of the fact that will the circle of your family be unbroken in heaven? May I say this morning, I believe that's why Jesus sent this old boy home. Because there are people who lived in his house who needed to hear the good news that Jesus could free them just like he freed this maniac. The invitation this morning is very simple. First of all, if you're not saved, you need to get saved this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you're the first one of your home that needs to experience firsthand the good grace of God and salvation by grace through faith so that you could go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord had done for you. And then there's folks in this room. I know for a fact there's folks in this room this morning. You have a heavy heart because there are people who live inside of your, of your home or maybe some extended family who needs to hear the gospel. People that you love very dearly like life itself and you know for a fact that they're not saved. Can I remind you of what Jesus said to this maniac of Gadara? He said, go and be a testimony. Don't go home and live any old way after coming home from church. No, you go home and you be a testimony. 
And you not only tell them how good God has been, but you show them how good God is. And you be compassionate upon them. And he said, go home to thy friends. Everyone in the room should have, everyone in the home rather, should have salvation in common. One of the most tragic things that I can think of is for a home in which there are people who will miss out on heaven. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Oh, you ought to pray for your unsaved loved ones. Pray earnestly for them. Hey, you ought to, you ought to get involved in winning others to Jesus. I'm thinking about a, a young lady now. I, I say young lady. She was a young lady when this story began, but now she's, uh, she may be in heaven. And uh, many years ago, as a young lady, she went to her pastor, and she said, Pastor, I'm concerned because my husband is not saved, or my son is not saved. Her son's name was Wayne. She said, Pastor, I'm concerned about Wayne. He's not saved. And he's, uh, at the time, he was serving in the Vietnam War. And she says, I'm concerned every day. I, I, I fear every day that I'm going to get a, a call uh, from a staff sergeant somewhere who tells me my son has been killed in action in Vietnam. And she said, Pastor, what do I do? And he said, first of all, I want you to pray for your son every day that he gets saved. And second of all, I want you to tell as many other people how to get saved as you possibly can. And every time you lead someone to Jesus, I want you to get along with God afterwards and say, God, here's another soul. Here's someone else whose name's written in the book of life. Now, now God, would you save my boy? And she took that pastor at his word and she began to, she prayed every day for Wayne to get saved. And not only did she pray for him to get saved, but she became a soul winner herself and she started leading people to Christ left and right and every time she leads someone to Christ she said now Jesus you saved my son you saved my son you saved my son and the day came when she got a phone call from Wayne and he said mama I got good news for you hey mama I got saved mama I got saved you know what she did she went home and she told her family of the great things that God had done for her that's what we ought to do. That's what we ought to do. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us. Father, what a wonderful truth.